welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle Caldwell and today we're talking regenerative tourism. Welcome back listeners, it's great to have you join us for another episode and if you listened in last week you will have heard me promote a very special guest this week and I have to say probably and I don't like to play favorites with my guests but this is probably the favorite episode of my entire podcast series so far. I have Nadine Toitoy from Kohutapu Lodge and Tribal Tours join me. Now, I'm sure Nadine is not a stranger to any of you. She has been around in the industry for a very long time. And look, for a small business situated in the metropolis, shall we say, of Murupara, she really does punch above her weight. Now, Kohutapu Lodge and Tribal Tours have just won two tourism awards at the New Zealand Tourism Awards held in Hamilton. And one of those awards was basically the award that has trumped the Supreme Award. It's the brand new Regenerative Tourism Award. Now, Regenerative Tourism, as you're going to hear, is nothing new to Nadine and Carl at Kohutapu. It's basically what they've been doing for the entire nine years they've been in business. So it's actually really awesome to have a chat with her around what it means and how they got into this space. And she even is very generous enough to give you some tips on how you might like to get involved as well. So look, I'm just going to read a little bit of the press release that came out from Tourism Industry Aotearoa after the New Zealand Tourism Awards, just to give you a bit of a feel for what they've done. A small lodge with big heart reigns supreme at the New Zealand Tourism Awards. A small Maori-owned tourism business based in Murupara has taken home tourism's most prestigious new award, the Regenerative Tourism Award. Kohutapu Lodge and Tribal Tours was revealed as the big winner at the New Zealand Tourism Awards 2022, hosted by TIA in Hamilton. TIA Chief Executive Rebecca Ingram says it was humbling to hear how Kohutapu Lodge works closely with its community to ensure the business is living and breathing regenerative tourism. From educating visitors about Te Ao Māori to ensuring the survival of the longfin tuna. So look, that's just a touch of it. Nadine's going to talk very much in her words all about what this means to her. And I know that you are going to love this episode just as much as I did. Now, before we get into it, I have to say a very big thank you to those of you who've bought me a drink on buymeacoffee.com. I've had that in the episode notes for a while and all of a sudden you've started buying me coffee. So thank you. It's keeping me going and keeping me awake while I'm recording all these episodes. But no, it's great to know that you are enjoying this series and yeah, getting something out of it because that has been our goal right from the get-go is how can we share stories with the rest of our industry. Next week, we are heading to Auckland for the Tourism Export Council Christmas Symposium. I hope to see a lot of you there. Come and say hi if we haven't met before. I'd love to, to meet new people and obviously all of my friends that listen in 
can't wait to see you all in the big smoke either. But until then, have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you soon. Ka Okay, we welcome Nadine from Kohutapu Lodge and Tribal Tours. Kia ora, Nadine. Kia ora, Michelle. Thank you. It's so great to have you on the show. As I mentioned to you, you have been on my list probably since we started the podcast two years ago, but here we are. We've finally gotten around to catching up and wonderful news given that you've just won two tourism awards. So tell us about those. Yeah, no, so we were finalists in three categories for the New Zealand Tourism Awards this year. Those categories were community engagement, regenerative tourism and Māori tourism. Mm -hmm. And we absolutely delighted on the night to be awarded the community engagement and the regenerative tourism award and we weren't quite aware until the very next day that that regenerative tourism award the new one is actually trumps the supreme one so we actually Mm. the new zealand supreme tourism award winners this year so we're absolutely delighted about that it's fantastic and i was so thrilled obviously i wasn't at the tourism awards but i woke up to facebook posts and all of the news and absolutely delighted for you and I also didn't realise that that Regenerative Tourism Award trumped the Supreme Award, although the press release did say that the small lodge with a big heart reigns supreme. So originally I was thinking, oh, maybe you've won another award. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. It was a little bit lost in translation, but hey, we got there in the end. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And reading from the Tourism Awards site, it says that that Regenerative Tourism Award recognises a tourism business that has the well-being of communities at its heart, it's representative of our culture and values, has an excellent visitor experience at its core and is brought to life by a profitable enterprise that shows a high level of responsibility. So that's like, wow, when you think about it like that. But in your own words, what does regenerative tourism mean to you? Yeah, well, I guess our entire business has been built upon this regenerative tourism concept. However, we didn't quite know that we were quite doing that right from the start. We were just doing what we do. So we've been in business for nine years out here now, and we came back to my husband's tribal lands here in Ngāti Manawa to start our little family business. And we originally had the vision to take the cultural experience out of the main centres, off the stages, back into the streets of our community, into our home home and just share with people real life. So we used to call it real life tourism. We also knew that we couldn't come all the way back out here to my husband's tribal land and, and our community of Murupara where we do still deal with issues and struggles and a lot of prickly stuff and, and we have probably one of the higher rates of unemployment in New Zealand as well. So, so there's a lot going on on the ground and we absolutely knew that we couldn't come out here and for lack of a better term sit on the pig back in profit while our people in our community were still going through a journey. And so at that point, we decided to make our community a part of uh, what we do out here and vice versa, make our visitors a part of our community. So it's definitely a two-way street. The benefits of tourism, like it's such a beautiful vehicle to instigate positive change. And um, our product is always really organic and everything for us, it, it can't be forced. It has to come from a place of purity. It has to come from a place where for the big aha moments, there's no monetary exchange. Like it has to come 
from a place of goodness and not wanting anything else in return other than for people and place to be uplifted and just not just our visitors but our people in our community too so so yeah we set about with our hands on our hearts and and our people at the front of what we did every single day and so we originally obviously been a Maori business as well food is very important to us Mm -hmm. as a people and and part of our manaki is that we always over cater like there's always you never run out of food Michelle so at the end of the night pre-COVID we would get all of our visitors to help us pack up all of the leftover hangis the very next day we would take our visitors back into our community into our schools and they would deliver those hangi meals for our kids who went to school without packed lunches so that was wonderful that our visitors could take the food in for our kids but the flip side of that is something really magical happened with our kids and our visitors on the ground in those classrooms. So originally our babies were really shy. They were afraid to come. They used to hide under the desks when the visitors really? rolled in. Yeah. Oh. And it didn't take very long for them to come out and, and start interacting with our visitors. But we very quickly realized that our kids, a lot of them will never get the chance to travel the world like our young visitors were. So it was an opportunity for us to bring the world to our kids. So yeah. our visitors would teach them about different geographies, languages, career pathways, and then our kids would have this really strong sense of pride of who they were, then where they were from. They started Fai Kōrero and then Waitaharinga and Haka and yeah. build them a stage and the kids are on it and the visitors, everyone was falling in love and hugging <laughs> and, and just beautiful things were happening. So really the catalyst of what we were doing in our community started with the Kai deliveries, but it, it grew, it, it had a life of its own. From there, we looked at other things we could do. So every year we would take a classroom of kids on an educational trip around New Zealand, all expenses paid. We would give koha back to our local marae, buy winter school uniforms for our kids who were not going into school because the whānau couldn't afford to pay for the winter uniforms. So mm-hmm. there was lots of stuff. We sent kids overseas. Yeah, it was and, and you know, like I said before, Michelle, it really was being done not to tick a box, not to be forced because we were in the community every day with our visitors. We could very quickly identify where the needs were, what we could do to help. And we just got on with it. It, w- it was never to win a, a tourism award. It was yeah. just we, we wanted to. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's a great story. I absolutely love hearing what you're up to there. But was Like, did you see this as a bit of a risk at the time when you stepped away from full-time employment to come and start the lodge nine years ago? Because obviously Murapara isn't a tourism mecca. No, (laughs) Probably a lot of people had never heard of it prior to you going there. But, yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely was a big risk to take. But you know what, you know, when you absolutely see a place for the real beauty, and you know, the people and you feel it in your heart and your soul and your bones, it's like, man, this place is beautiful. And if we can just get people out here to understand who we are as a community, and to really just pull the layers off and look a little bit deeper to find the real beauty of the places you travel to, like it doesn't have to always be a gold plated something or a glossed or a polished experience. Sometimes the most magical, memorable engagements happen in places like our, our community. And like I said, you, it's the stuff you can't put in a brochure. It's the yeah. stuff you can't put a price tag on. It, it's just those little magical aha moments. So yeah, it was a big risk. I mean, I'm not going to lie, Michelle, there were plenty of people out there who told me I was absolutely bonkers and mad 
for moving to Murupara of all places. But as I said at the New Zealand Tourism Awards on stage holding up that trophy, well, here you go, guys. Yeah, it, it, it really is. It, it was a very profound moment in our journey. Mm, yeah, I, I can absolutely imagine. And some of those kids that have been, they've had their whole world opened up, haven't they, through having those experiences with your visitors from all over the world. And some of their dreams must have changed dramatically over the years. Yeah, because if you think about it, like we, uh, you look at buses of people traveling through our country and because we're such an intimate experience and we really get to know our visitors, they're not just a number, like we've got uh, people who were NASA scientists building spaceships and we're sitting down on the mats with our kids, talking to them about all the amazing stuff they do in space. We've had doctors, we've had uh, people who make chocolates and all sorts of things like the This is just so far and wide and broad and our kids just that opportunity to sit with people and people who really want to genuinely give them time and share. But also more than that, like when our visitors would get back home to their country, it's not uncommon that all these big parcels would arrive at Murupara Area School with all these gifts and things from NASA were turning up, like spaceships that the kids could model, that they could make themselves and all sorts of different gifts that would come flying in from around the world for our kids. They really did imprint on our visitors' hearts and minds. So so yeah, it's, it's just a beautiful thing to be a part of yeah absolutely we often talk around those true life and you talked about the real life tourism but the those true authentic experiences that you have they're unplanned they're unscripted it just happens and it might be they're not in Murapara it might be that you're just sitting in a restaurant somewhere and you get chatting to the people beside you or you happen to stay in a bed and breakfast and have that really authentic connection with the owners but what you guys are doing is obviously on another scale to to just those passing moments and and I guess because our whole community really like there there is a a strong appreciation for what we do and they know us they trust us they they see the buses rolling in so they're used to it and really support it so it's not uncommon for our buses to be rolling through the town and one of the uncles stand in the middle of the road with his hand up and stop the bus the door opens and he passes through a bag of trout he's just caught and oh. says down to the niece and nephew and they'll smoke it up for your dinner tonight and the bus rolls in here and our visitors are holding trout <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so- Was it always that way? Like when you first started out, I mean, that's a big change to have buses rolling through a town that probably had never seen a bus roll through town, particularly to stay overnight. Like what did you have to do with the community to bring them on board and kind of start engaging two ways with you? Yeah, I think that's a really cool question, actually, Michelle, because, yeah, we obviously went through our matua, our marae committee, we went through the front door and had the blessings from an iwi and a, a tribal perspective. In terms of the community, we just got on with it and we really... It really made it clear right from the start we don't want anything from you mm-hmm. we want to give back and we want mm-hmm. to help and we and we never promoted it never went out blowing trumpets and waving flags around the street saying we're going to do this do that we just did it and naturally when you do it in that gentle way and you lead with that purity and that really honest intent the community comes with you for the ride you don't it's not forced it's just a really beautiful organic formula Mm, yeah that's that's really cool and I could see how that would happen what advice would you give to other tourism operators who are kind of starting to think about 
obviously we're talking regenerative tourism now. That's our new buzzword, if you like, in the industry. So we are starting to think as operators, what more can we do with our community? What advice would you give to operators that are thinking that way? Um, I think like back in the day, it used to be all about sustainable tourism and it was always about our environment and it was always about planting trees. And that still is a very, very important part of regenerative tourism and what we must do going forward. Like a lot of us do it anyway and do it naturally. But I think the biggest thing is that when we're talking about regenerative tourism, it's also about people, place and community. And Every community, every place and every people have different needs and different aspects that you can feed into or give back to. So I think it's really important to get out from behind the desk. The CEOs and the directors need to actually step away from the laptop, put the phone down and go out into the communities and engage with the people at flax roots level and spend time and really genuinely understand the needs of your community and people and then figure out how you can potentially feed into that to make positive change with your visitors. So yeah, every place is different and I, I really think it's it's not a one size fits all. Yeah. And again, it has to come from a place where you I really, really hope our regenerative tourism space does not become a tick box kind of surface level of we're going to do this and that and get and get the certificates and the accreditation or whatever because it is such a beautiful concept and we're dealing with people's lives we're not it's easy to plant a tree babe it's much harder to (laughs) save and to change a life and it's real people we're talking about so you really have to treat that with the respect and integrity and mana that it, it needs to be treated with and and you'll find your sweet spot you just need to maybe listen a little bit more than talk and figure it out with with your people on the ground. Yeah, I think it's really important to really understand, like I know when I'm talking with tourism operators and doing my training around business planning and that sort of thing, I spend a lot of time on defining your values. And I think once you're really in tune with what not only your personal values, but what your business values are, that makes it a lot easier to start to go and have those conversations because then it becomes a really authentic exchange yeah. rather than, as you say, just a tick box, or oh, I'm going to sponsor a child's team because I need that yeah. for Qualmark or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's really easy to donate money, but yeah. it, it, it's much harder to actually get out there. And, hey, at the end of the day, it, it really costs your time, your energy, and your love. that's essentially all it is so yeah definitely get out be seen and do some just beautiful magical stuff yeah that sounds awesome great advice now we're going to talk the dreaded c word that obviously threw a big spanner in our works in 2020 Mm. tell me what that was like for you in the last two years with borders closed because obviously a lot of your visitors were international prior to that tell me a little bit about your journey Oh, look, Michelle, it was horrific, like it was for many of our whānau out there. But like you said, we are 98% reliant on our international marketplace and the average Auckland family is not thinking about popping down to Mutapata for a long weekend. So we kind of got the double whammy. Then you throw the triple whammy in because we're a cultural experience and a lot of our domestic market don't frequent Māori product. So we definitely had it stacked against us. I guess pre-COVID, we were on the cusp of really growing our business. We were building a new economy 
accommodation. We were about to launch Fidinaki Forest Footsteps, our guided cultural walking tours up in our rainforest. We were, after seven years, we were kind of on that wave where Carl and I were going to step a little bit back from the business and work more on it instead of in it. And yeah, then COVID came along and brought us to our knees. So yeah, we lost everything overnight and uh, we were really fortunate to be able to apply for government funding. Mm-hmm. And we were a company that was successful in uh, the STAP, well, we were a STAP recipient. So mm-hmm. that was a strategic tourism asset protection program. So we did receive some grant money to keep the light switches on and, and keep our staff employed. With that came certain KPIs, however. So obviously we had to still be paying our staff. We had to pivot and reposition to the domestic market. We had all sorts of things that we had to do with funding. We very quickly realized that COVID was going to last longer than six months, 12 months, yep. two years. And the Putia, the money was very quickly running out with uh, obligations. We had to meet with that. So we went back to the drawing board and thought, you know, what, what else can we do? And it really, like you were saying before, it came back to our core values, what we were already doing anyway, which was working specifically in our community, but really focusing on our rangatahi, our young people, and trying to break cycles and, and make positive change in their lives. So we applied for Hipotama Rangatahi funding. And we were successful and we managed to repurpose our lodge and our staff into a youth training facility. So we ran three 12-week long courses for young people between the ages of 16 and 24. And they call them NEETS rangatahi, so N-E-E-T-S, which stands for Not in Education, Employment or Training. So our young people who are essentially sitting idly out there in the community with no real goals or dreams or aspirations. Mm -hmm. And we had 12 weeks to turn their lives around, pop them back up on their feet and out the other end doing something amazing. Um, We really quickly realized that there was a direct correlation between our neat rangatahi and deep trauma. So our lodge became a safe place. It Mm -hmm. became a home away from home. We became mums, dads, uncles, aunties. We really just wrapped around our kids and gave them a lot of love and a lot of time and a lot of energy. Again, we had KPIs that we had to achieve. So there were CVs, there was driver licensing, there was Mm -hmm. all of that. First of all, we needed to save lives and keep our kids here on this earth side with us. And we needed to reconnect them to who they were and where they were from. So we did a lot of nopo marae. We went up in the bush we taught them how to hunt fish mara kai grow your vegetables we did all all sorts of things and then we licensing afterwards and um we took that licensing and we ran out the gate with it so we didn't just do driver licensing we did forklift scaffold working at height chainsaw tractor quad bike all of our kids got steel cap boots they got clothes they got thermals they got diaries they got away bags we just we invested that government money into our rangatahi we drew minimum wage for our staff to do the mahi and we explained to them why we were doing that yeah. and that the investment really needed to go back into our kids in order to make this change in their lives out of all of our rangatahi who graduated our course we had over an 86 percent success rate with these young people going back into school re-engaging in school into training or going directly into work and they're amazing so beautiful they're 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 smashing their goals mm. and Again, Michelle, it's that payback that is not necessarily monetary driven. It it comes from a place where, hey, if they win, if those kids win, 
then we all win. Oh, absolutely. God, oh, that gives me goosebumps just thinking about yeah. that. That's an incredible story. So, I mean, obviously borders are now open. Are you noticing any changes from pre-COVID to what people are looking for now or how they're engaging? I mean, obviously you've had a very engaging product anyway mm. and experience there, but yeah, what have you noticed since the business yeah. has started coming yeah, out? Yeah, absolutely. I think COVID really shook the, the globe up and uh, there's a different type of motivation for the visitors now. They really are genuinely wanting to come in and connect. Mm. Uh, they want those intimate encounters. They want that one-on-one -on -one time. They want to sit and talk. They want to peel the layers off and, and get to the the you know the the cracks of of where they are and and the people in the place they really really appreciate the the mahi that is being done in the communities and that regenerative space and they're really grateful to be a part of it any little way that they can the group sizes are, are much smaller and there just seems to be a sense of like that rush 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 and volume and uh, that that's kind of kind of peeled back a little bit so yeah it's for the first season back it, it's lovely to to have these already experiences and engagements with all of our beautiful manuhiri from Ngahoefa from the four winds of the world yeah. and to have that time with them in, in our community so yeah they're definitely seeking out that really high value exchange with people in place yeah yeah, cool. And you mentioned something before around how the domestic travellers don't really engage with cultural experiences. Mm -hmm. I remember last year when I was running a series of podcasts on the Tourism Awards and spoke to a couple of the Marian Tourism finalists at that point in time, and this conversation came up. But do you think that's because traditionally a cultural experience has been more around a hangi and concert rather than something that's a lot more engaging and authentic like what you're doing. And do you think there's a difference there? Yeah, I think there's quite a few layers to that question and there's mm. even more layers to the answer. I yeah. think when we look at our nation as a whole, like we definitely do a lot better than a lot of other Indigenous cultures around the world in terms of our bicultural relationships within yeah. our communities and within our country. But there still is that element of, hey, Michelle, I'll be honest with you, there's still a, a very strong element of racism in our country. There is a... Yeah, there's an opportunity that went begging, I think, in terms of using this during COVID and having all of our cultural products empty. There was a real a lost opportunity to educate our domestic New Zealanders about what cultural experiences are now. There was yeah. a real opportunity to remove the fear of people who, oh my gosh, I've never been to a marae, oh my God, oh, oh, oh. hey, we could have. We could yep. have done so much with our own people during that time to really look head to head and, and face some of these really prickly issues that we still go through a, as a country. Yeah, so that was a bit of a shame, really. But yeah, I, th I think there's intergenerational stuff that, that is very, very rampant in our country. And yeah, it, it is a real shame that a lot more of our own people aren't frequenting these beautiful products. And like you say, it's no longer just a hangi concert. It's far and wide and, and Way more. high yeah. to accommodation, to forest, to rafting, to all sorts, to mountain biking, like the products are the people in the place are absolutely beautiful and yeah like I said it was a, a real opportunity to do some cool stuff with our own people 
Yeah, I tend to agree. And I'd like to think that at some point we could get to that stage because mm. I know my husband started a new job this year and he's working for a Maori company and had the porphyry on the marae and he'd actually never been onto a marae himself. Mm. And so it was it was really interesting going along to that with him. Mm. And obviously I've been to a lot of marae and I've been welcomed on and working for, you know, Naitahu Tourism and other tourism businesses throughout the years. I've been fortunate to have those experiences and probably have, not that I'm great at my understanding, but probably have a greater understanding than the average person mm. on the street. And yeah, yeah, it was just a really powerful day. And there were people, yeah. I think they inducted... 80 people and that yeah that tranche of staff and they were from all over the world and you could just see how special it was for them to have that very personal welcome from the company yeah absolutely and hey like we were saying before tourism is just uh such a beautiful vehicle to be able to gently take people in and introduce them to our culture and our ways and and um, remove that of engagement like i said like really fear comes from a place where there's just a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding and i'm absolutely delighted that the new zealand curriculum is now teaching our history and i feel like the next wave of of young people coming through that is really going to do wonders for racial harmony in our country once mm. people actually understand the truth yeah. and able to talk about it yes and, yeah. yeah yeah cool okay so my final question what's next for nadine and carl <laughs> Yeah, we're just excited to get through this season. We've really hit the ground running. We can't wait. We're obviously coming with our visitors to the end of the school year. So a lot of our schools are breaking up, our kuangas, our everything. There's a lot of stuff going on. But we're really excited to uh, launch our community engagement programs again next year with our visitors when our schools are all back in. And we're doing some really cool stuff with our iwi at the marae with our visitors that we take on. Some really cool succession stuff with our Karaua down there and for us it's really just uh, honing our product out looking at employing more people really getting our Fidinaki product up and off the ground and engaging people with that one it's a real beauty that product we're really really proud of that one and it's a beautiful experience so yeah it's just a really stabilized claw our way back and obviously like probably a lot of other operators in the industry reduce some of the debt that's built up over the last few years where we haven't had the income coming in and we've been hanging on and holding on and doing whatever we could yeah and then onwards and upwards do more beautiful stuff with our beautiful community our beautiful people and and create more magic babe yeah oh look it's fantastic and thanks so much for coming on to talk to me I'm sure our listeners will really enjoy this episode and just the passion that you have and every time I see you and talk to you it just flows out of you and it makes me feel so good and I'd love to see more operators out there and not to say that there aren't some like there's plenty of of people out there with passion but to live it and breathe it and just yeah it oozes out of you so congratulations once again on your tourism awards you're such a worthy winner and I'm so thrilled for you that this has happened particularly this year after the last couple of years that you've had and yeah yeah, just wish you guys all the very very best thank you so much it's lovely to have spent this time chatting with you this morning and yeah thank you for your beautiful words and yeah really excited about the future babe Okay, cool. We'll talk to you, catch up with you at the Tech Symposium, potentially. 
we shall hopefully see you there. Yeah, okay. Kaki <laughs> 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 <laughs>